Welcome back to another episode of People of Product. My name is George Brooks. And on today's episode, I had the pleasure to talk to Garib Garibi. Garib is the Director of Applied Research and Head of AI and Privacy at Triple Blind. Now, Triple Blind has created one of the most complete and scalable solutions for privacy-enhancing computation. Now, I'm not going to pretend to describe exactly what Triple Blind does because he does a much better job on this episode. But we got a chance to really dive into not only what Triple Blind does and how it can help both uh, medical institutions and financial institutions really share their data in a private way so that they can make their AI models more powerful and more accurate and a little less bias or a lot less bias. But also, what are the potentials of AI? Um, and how it's moving quickly, and how user experience affects the usefulness and the ability to take advantage of AI. And then honestly, a little bit about the FOMO that we feel right now as AI is moving so quickly through technology. I think you're going to love this conversation, so let's jump right in. Gareeb, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I am so excited to talk to you because I've had a chance to see Triple Pine grow here in Kansas City and really beyond now. So I love a little bit of the story, but I'll be honest, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. So maybe tell the world a little bit about yourself and what Triple Pine. Thanks for having me on the show, George. It's really amazing. I'm honored to be here. My name is Garib, obviously. I work as the head of, uh, the director of Applied Research and head of AI at TripleBlind. As you said, TripleBlind started as a Kansas City startup, but today it has a footprint all around the globe because we basically enable data innovation while preserving privacy. And the key element to succeeding in data-driven innovation is to have diverse data sets data from multi-institutions. So if we're talking healthcare, it is really important to train your AI models on data from different distributions or other, simply speaking, data of different people, different ages, different races from different geographically separated locations. This is only possible with TrebleBlind, and this actually enhances and fosters and facilitates the training of fair and generalizable models. Fascinating. Okay, we got to break some of that down a little bit. <laughs> sure. So tell, give me give me some practical uses. When you have organizations that are taking advantage of TripleBind's platform, what are some very practical use cases of what they're doing with it? Sure. So I mentioned the word data-driven innovation, and that encompasses everything from Bonnie in the HR trying to study the pay gap, right? All the way to creating sophisticated AI models that can cure or detect cancer. Let me tell you a brief story about real-world AI models. So after COVID-19, there has been a large number of researchers and labs and healthcare institutions trying to build models that can predict COVID-19, whether it's from chest x-ray or electronic health records. About 500 to 600 papers came out from these efforts. And then a group from the University of Oxford, two years later, they wanted to study how good these models are. They collected the best models that came out from industry and academia. They studied all of them, and they found out that the majority of these models are fatally flawed. They, are, they produce wrong results, and they do not generalize 
anywhere outside the data set that they were trained on. The main reason, every university lab or every industry trained on the data they have. That data is biased, it is limited, it's coming from a single source. And therefore, when these models were taken and tested on different demographics, people from different areas of the world, these models were basically not working. Researchers today who are creating AI models, AI models are hungry for data. The researchers face a lot of challenges trying to find useful real-world data. And these challenges, if you're talking about healthcare domain, for example, which is one of the most important domains to improve AI because it benefits us as humans. The main challenge in acquiring data is regulations, privacy regulations. It is tough, it is challenging, but these regulations are necessary and they are very important. Today, if two health institutions want to collaborate together, they need to go through a very lengthy and tedious process made of privacy policy makers and attorneys who understand HIPAA, for example, regulations. And that process takes six months to a year and it's extremely costly only to enable researchers to pull data from two different organizations to train a better model. Triple Blind solves that problem. All you need to do is to install the software system on both of these parties. Data scientists and researchers will be able to train their models the same way they are used to training them locally without having to worry about how to implement this privacy techniques because we do that automatically under the hood. So as a data scientist using somebody else's data, you can train a model on data, decentralized data from different resources without having to worry about compromising patients' data, basically. It's also provided with a very simple, easy-to-use API, and we have a graphical user interface as well. So basically, we enable people to share and access data. We use techniques like, we have our own technique we created called blind learning. It is similar to federated learning that's created by Google. And we also heavily use secure multi-party computation, which is a cryptography technique to enable joint computations on distributed data sets without revealing to any of the involved parties what data do you have. Fascinating. That is, that's amazing. So in that case then, so it expands... Potentially, it expands the data that researchers would have access to to train their models to be more accurate or at least to take into account, like you said, those biases or these other elements. What are some of the what are some of the outcomes? What are some of the benefits to doing this where you've expanded that data set? Obviously, privacy is where you've said, we've made this faster, we've made this easier so that you don't have to have this bureaucracy that you might have to go through to make it possible. But what are some of the outcomes of seeing this actually work? So the outcomes now, this means that a lot different dimensions, right? This means that hospitals with very large budgets today in the United States can access data from all around the globe to create AI models that have that are excellent at a very specific task, for example, detecting tumor in liver. And so that will enable them to create very sophisticated models. Wonderful. That is enabled through triple blind. But now you have doctors in the Middle East, some very rural area that don't have access to technology and they have no experts that can detect liver tumor, for example. Mm. They probably only with an internet connection and a browser. Sometime in the future, they can upload the x-ray image images 
and use that sophisticated model of the hospital here in the United States for a fraction of a dollar, like 20 cents, 50 cents, or even a dollar to run an inference and be able to predict if this specific x-ray have cancer or not. So you're actually enabling the distribution of this AI technology to places of the world that have otherwise no access to anything we have today, chat GPT, AI, advanced models. They cannot create them. They don't have the expertise. They don't have the data. They don't have the GPUs. Yeah, right. Just even the processing power to do it. Right. Yes. And then I can think also from the financial domain. Think if all the banks came together to train fraud detection, you don't have to give your data away. And everyone who's participating in training that model, we get the benefits of that model. And fraud is causing banks billions of dollars a year. So it's very several, real right now. It's very real right now. It is. So several banks, despite competition between each other, they all contribute data while knowing for sure that their data is not being compromised and my competitor cannot actually peek into my data. But jointly, all of us can create a model that could benefit all of us as well. So that's another real world use case. And we have actually done some work in this domain as well. I think this is awesome. So one of the questions I have though is what, when you have these organizations thinking about the potential of what data ought to be shared, right? So you talked about there is, there's certain information that you'd want to make, you'd want to inform the shared information that can make us all better together in some kind of altruistic way. But what is, how do you make that decision around what is shared and what's not shared because everything is data, right? So all aspects, all attributes of what we're sourcing is data. How do you, how is it decided what can, is that through just because of compliance or because of regulations or is there a certain understanding of we think this is what should be shared and what shouldn't be? This is a great question and it's a little bit complicated, but I think it's also easy for me to answer it given the technology that we created at Triple Blank. Conventionally, from HIPAA, let's talk about healthcare. That's, I think, the clearest and simplest example. Yeah. From a HIPAA standard, you can say that a data set is okay to be shared in one of two ways. You de-identify the data, which means you delete all patient health information. Your first name, last name, date of birth, zip code, sometime IP address, etc. So you need to remove these columns from your data, and now you only have the blood pressure, the weight of the patient, their medical history. Now you can use this data to train a model. But a lot of data that we have removed from this data set, and by the way, this process is called data de-identification. A lot of the data that we removed from it is actually might be very beneficial. So my gender and the date I was born, my date of birth might be a very important indicator of a specific disease that I might have. So training right. models on de-identified data today based on regulations might not generate very good models because you're losing part of the data by removing it effectively, right? Um, we don't do that at Triple Blind. The technology we created enables you to compute on the entire data set that you have today without revealing anything. So we don't have to worry about the decision, which pieces of the data it's okay to be shared. Because sharing here is not physically sending the data outside your infrastructure, outside of your platform. Data owners will always have their data on-premise or in the cloud. It will never leave their, their databases. What they will do is that they will install our software. Our software, based on the data user computations, 
We'll look at the data, we'll divide it into, do some magic, and that magic is basically creating shards of it or, or shares of it, and then encrypt these shares. And these shares at this point is completely random numbers. So if I give it to you today, you can learn nothing out of it about the data. And then the data user and the data provider solve a mathematical equation using these random numbers. And the end of computation, the solution of this mathematical equation is the answer to the question that the data user have asked. So if the data user asked to train a specific model, the data user is going to create the model is made of several layers. We take these layers, we chop them out into shares, we encrypt them, they are random numbers. The data owner does something similar. And now there's a computation in the middle, which is an equation. They start solving it and solving it. At the end of the equation, the data user have a model that has a high performance to train, to predict whatever downstream task you trained it to do without learning anything about the data. So it's pretty wonderful. We don't have to make decisions to remove personally identifiable information from the data sets, for example. And this process is called secure multi-party computation, which is cryptography, basically some cryptographic techniques um, that are relatively new in the domain. And Triple Blind have made several enhancements in this domain on the cryptography primitives themselves and the math behind it. I want to go in so many different directions to nerd out on that. But for the sake of time, I want to move us a little broader. It, this Definitely in this point in time, right, we're six months out, roughly speaking, from kind of a, a pretty sharp up curve and at least awareness of the potential of AI. And I say that because AI has been in the works since the 1950s and 60s, right? But we're seeing this, this pretty strong up curve with OpenAI and ChatGPT and others for at least the general public wrapping their head around it. And of course, as the public wraps their head around it, leaders wrap their head around it. As leaders wrap their head around it, they invest in it. What are you seeing both the pros and the cons of this moment? Um, I'm generally an optimistic person. <laughs> and Good. I think me too. Future, me too. Wonderful. I think the future is bright. This technology has the ability to augment human skills to to make us limitless, right? Makes us super supermen and super women, right? And it will basically give us a lot of power. It, hopefully, in the future, AI will be able to solve poverty, advance the human race, reduce time complexities for solving processes, etc. But it also it is risky, and it has a lot of challenges around it. We still do not understand how these models generalize. Mm -hmm. So you give this model a load of data and you tell it train, this is the inputs and this is what's supposed to be the output. Start, basically deep learning models are mapping functions, right? They start to map this training data and we don't really, we call them black boxes. We don't really know how they generalize. We don't know how they are making, how ChatGPT4 is making this wonderful reasonings behind the answers it's making. We don't know how to improve this reasoning. So there's a lot of challenges and risks around AI. A lot of people are worried about <laughs> AI replacing their jobs, and it is going to automate a lot of jobs. This I means see. that people who have access to AI technologies will be benefiting from this. People who are limited to it or people with very, with skills, with a very low set of skills will be, will have all the disadvantages. They will be out of job. They'll be struggling. 
So academia, industry, researchers, policymakers, they need to collaborate together to make sure that we shape the future of AI, to build responsible AI, to build fair AI. Today, AI is learning from the internet, which is right now information that we, biased people, have put out there. So AI is potentially also very biased, which means that it might make, in the future, if we use it in courtrooms, etc., it might make biased decisions, right? So we need to study that and we need to approach it very carefully. And that's where, again, someone industrial like Triple Blind is responsible to make sure that we are respecting people's privacy when we are collecting this data and using it. And we are making sure that these models are trained on diverse enough data sets. So the models we are generating are also fair and not being disappropriately advantageous for certain groups of people. I think that's so important. I think that's, and it's really difficult, right? This isn't a, it's not a binary answer, right? It would be a lot easier if it was just like, yes, this is black and white, but it is, it's very nuanced in how to, to solve that problem. I'm curious, what questions are you getting from your customers or from your, I don't want to be respectful of the people that you're working with, but what are the big questions as people are entering this space or they're looking to use this technology or even specifically triple blinds technology. What are the things that they're going, I don't know what I can and can't do? Yes, that's a good question. A lot of customers, there are different types of customers. Some of them are very mature and some of them, they just have a lot of data. They don't know what they want to do with it. Sure. And sometimes we also enable, for example, data monetization through our platform and whether it's data or algorithms that you have created in your platform. So it seems to me some of the industries still do not really fully understand the full potential of AI and the data that they own themselves. So yes, privacy is okay and it's cool, but they still don't really know how to use it and where to use it. Sometimes, right. a lot of times, again, um, a lot of times people, customers or prospects that come and look at the technology, they say, okay, this is a wonderful technology. It's solving the privacy issues. Can you make it easier to be used? Because it's going to be used eventually by physicians or doctors who are interested in deep learning and they just want to do research, which is right. one of the major things that we are focusing today at. Usability of the tool is something really important. And I think that was demonstrated successfully by OpenAI, when they released ChatGPT with this very slick UI, you just type a prompt or a question and you get its answer. Very easy to use, very intuitive. I think that's important for any tool to triple blind as well. I remember seeing an interview recently with some individuals that were involved in OpenAI. And one of the things they talked about is that the technology, the under, underlying technology has been there. The models have been there for a little while now, but the interface was the breakthrough, really. It was this moment where we went, oh, People will get this. They know they will find ways to interact with this. I'm curious how much my background's in design. My organization is, does user experience design. How much is UX? How much is interface design something that you have to really wrestle with or to iterate on or to experiment with to get this right so that people can wrap their heads around the potential of what they can use it for? Yes, a lot. And this is because we enable a large number of privacy-preserving processes. It's not just training models. You can study the data. You can see different patterns, conventional data analysis techniques, linear regression, logistic regression, not just uh, cool AI models, right? So we provide a lot of privacy-preserving processes, and therefore, each one of them, you interact with it in a different way. So 
designing user experience plays a is a very big part of what we do at Triple Blind as well to make it to make it easy to use and intuitive for end users. So, for example, last month we did a usability study. We recruited some UMKC students. Uh, by the way, Michelle was one of them. And they came to the office and they were tasked with training an AI model to predict who's going to survive from the Titanic. Oh, There's a data well, set, okay. <laughs> Titanic data set. It has the list of all the people that were there and it tells you different information about people. We took that data set, we put it on three or four um, AWS uh, instances to simulate different organizations. And then we asked the students, both masters, undergrad and PhD students, to use our tool to train the model. Now, all of them are machine learning students, so they know how to train models, but they have never ever used our tool before, and they did not get any exercise or educational materials on how to use our tool. All of them were able to complete the task successfully. But of course, we learned, which means our tool is intuitive to a very large extent. Of course, they provided a lot of feedback that will help us to improve it. So simple, something simple, very something very simple. For example, I think it's okay to share it. We have a, a search bar where you type the name of the dataset you are looking for. So Michelle typed the, Michelle typed the name of the dataset Titanic, and she sat there. She was waiting for the list of datasets to show up on the screen. That search box will not work without hitting enter. <laughs> oh, nice! So it's not doing like an elastic search or anything like that. Yes. It had you had to prompt it to say run search. Right. Yeah, so that's something we learned, right? It's We did not, of course, put so much effort into improving that feature because it was also relatively new, but it's something we learned from our users. But overall, they were able to train a model successfully without seeing the data from all these three organizations that all had different non-overlapping parts of the Titanic data set. So they succeeded in the process and... They said they would recommend triple blind for other data scientists. So I think that's promising. That's validation. I think that's fantastic. And I love that you're, how do you put the tool out into a real world environment to get that feedback? And Michelle will give you the feedback for context for listeners. Right. Michelle's one of our developers on the team here at Crema and is going to school right now for artificial intelligence. So she's quite brilliant and very curious about anything related to this space. I, I think that's a, a fantastic way. And I think a lot of organizations are really... I think what is exciting to me about this time in technology history is that we're moving quickly again. I was talking to Dan, my business partner recently, and we were talking about the fact that it felt like there, even though things were in, in going fast and we were seeing lots of new products come out, there had been a little bit of a stagnation, at least on the the forefront of what was coming out and what organizations were doing to innovate, right? To And I say innovate is like that very kind of stereotypical term, but to move things forward quickly. And unless you were in one of these pockets that was doing this, the, building these products behind the scenes a little bit, you weren't really seeing some of the stuff that was happening under the surface. And then all of a sudden there was this break, breakthrough moment where open AI starts telling the world that we're, we have access to this tool all of a sudden. And now we've got hundreds of companies being formed and we've got everyone integrating it into everything. And there's just this moment of excitement again for, wow, we have a, we have access to something that will take us to what's next. And that, I think that's very exciting. It is. It's extremely exciting. You mentioned a very good point is that when OpenAI released specifically ChatGPT3 or ChatGPT with based on GPT3 and now GPT4, it caught us off guard, right? 
we are used to seeing technology evolve in a linear way, even though it's not. Right. But everything, like, for example, when I first looked at GPT-2, I looked at it, I'm like, whoa, this is really cool. But two years before that, I had a trained models that spit out poems in Arabic language, which is even more challenging than English because there's I very bet, limited yeah. resources. Arabic is very different. We write from right to left. <laughs> it's like, but when I looked at GPT-2, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. It can write some poems and it can write some short essays, etc. But at while it was not like mind-blowing to me because I knew OpenAI at that point, I think I heard they used 30,000 GPUs or something. And I was working with one GPU in, at UMKC and I'm sharing it with other PhD students. So I'm like, okay, makes sense. If I can create this small model, they have 35,000 GP access to 35,000 GPUs with the leaders of AI domain working for them. Yeah, it's cool. It's impressive, but it's not mind blowing. Right. ChatGPT3 made us like all of these big companies that were working on large language models. It made them feel FOMO that they might be losing the race. And today, for example, I don't remember the last time I went to Stack Overflow, <laughs> right? Oh, I man, asked. I know. <laughs> I was reading an article about this, that Stack Overflow, they've got to be having some shortness of breath right now. Yeah, and some of my friends are telling me about Copilot. I never used it, but they're like, it's, it's just awesome. amazing. It's like, it's really cool. And I just heard that they they released a new version of it. The so, Copilot X? Yeah, I've Copilot heard it's X. really incredible. Yeah. yeah, this is the start of definitely a new era that's going to change a lot of things. And from now on, we are moving very fast. And basically, two dimension, two different dimensions that go in parallel. One dimension, there is the, the development and the improvement of these tools. So if I want to give an analogy, I'll usually use the Formula F1 races, for example, and cars. I like cars. So you have the engineers that are building the actual engine, right? And this is Google DeepMind or Google Brain, where they build the transformers, which is the basic building blocks of GPT. The, these are the engineers that are building this technology, right? And then you have the drivers of the F1 cars. They don't necessarily need to know or even know how these engines work or how the brakes work. And this is all of the companies that we see today popping up that is being built on top of this stack. So we have copyright.ai, we have all of these tools that built on ChatGPT4, etc. So we are going to move very fast going forward in both directions, creating super fast cars, very good model, and then building very insanely good technology on top of that. And it gives me FOMO sometimes. <laughs> me too. Me too. It, it is so much to keep up with and also like you said, so much potential um, and how to get close enough to it to know its potential to be participating in it. And I think with what Triple Blind's doing, you're in a really unique spot to be doing some of that. Obviously at an enterprise level or in certain industries, there's going to be more tangible ways to fund that work. But also just generally speaking, it's, oh my gosh, we're, you know, there's nothing but potential. And like you said, and also a little bit of fear because it's, oh, how do I stay relevant in all of this? Like every time I go to Twitter, like I follow all these AI researchers and stuff. Everyone is publishing papers about it. I'm like, oh my God, no. there's no time to read this insanely huge number of papers that is being published on this. And 
Conventionally, historically, people, when they write a paper, they submit it to a journal to get reviewed by someone who can look at your methods and tell you this is good or not. Journals now take about, from the time you submit a paper to acceptance, about a year. That's too slow because no. yeah. GPT-3 got five million us- 1 million users in five days. So that's very slow. So AI researchers started submitting to conferences, which take four to six months. Today, they're just putting their work on archive, which is basically, <laughs> you don't need it to be peer-reviewed. Just just go, 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 go. Yeah. So, yeah. Which in some ways is exciting. And also, like you said, it's a little risky, right? It's um, risky. We don't know all of these methods. What, are they biased or not? Are they, yeah. what are what they're doing? How dangerous they are, et cetera. So we need to be very cautious about them, the methods and the tools that are being generated. Gary, this has been fascinating. And I think you and I could probably continue to nerd out for another several hours, probably. But I want to respect your time. Let's jump real quick just to kind of last question that I usually have, which is you've hinted at this, whether it's for bias or for accessibility for these different spaces, where people, where do you think that people are, have the risk of getting some of this wrong or maybe heading in the wrong direction with some of this, whether it's the way they're using triple blind or the way they're thinking about AI as a whole? What are some risks or areas that we just need to really be mindful of as we move forward? I think, again, we just need to be careful about designing and deploying these systems. Right now, we talked about both of us having feeling FOMO, which means that both of us are going to try our best to do something about it. We are creating, <laughs> we are going to create some tool that uses GPT to help, I don't know, lawyers or teachers or designers or something like that without carefully considering all of these side effects and what could go wrong, as you have said before. Again, policymakers, which usually always lay and maybe they don't really understand the technology at a very deep technical level. I think I like to have open science and open contributions, but that also need to be governed somehow and mm-hmm. there need to be policies around it. So we need to be very careful. We need to approach this with cautious. We need to approach it. We want this technology to augment our intelligence as a humans to help us uh, get rid of poverty and improve our healthcare services, reduce the inequalities between people. So that's how we should approach it because a lot of things could go wrong. These systems might be biased. These systems can provide advantages for those who are already at, have a, are in a very good spot and do the opposite for people who are already low income. They do not have proper ways to actually improve themselves, etc. So we have just to approach this technology with cautious and keep privacy as it's hard. And I'll remember a quote here from, from a very famous guru in data privacy. The name's just slipped out of my mind now, but okay. he said, okay. privacy is not a luxury. It's a fundamental human right. And I think we have to keep that at the heart of designing these systems. Grieb, I have just immensely enjoyed this conversation. And I want to like to say this to anyone that's in the product space, but we often don't get a chance to compete each other. So thank you for the work that you do because a lot of it's behind the scenes, right? You don't get a chance to necessarily, this is not something you're on a regular basis going on YouTube channels or podcasts and stuff, getting to talk about the impact because I can tell in the way that you talk about the work that you do, the talk about the way the triple blind is approaching solving the problems that you're trying to solve, that there's not only an excitement about 
where can this go from a business standpoint and from a technology standpoint, but also from an intentionality of how it impacts humans. So thank you for being intentional because it's like you said, there's a lot of FOMO right now. It could just be run fast and break things and see what happens. And some of that will happen, but your intentionality, I think, is definitely shows through. So thank you for being so thoughtful as you do that work. Thank you a lot too for enabling the ease of use and accessibility for the tools that we build under the hood that no one can see it, but through the wonderful interfaces and the user experience work you guys do. That's amazing because a bad interface can literally undermine the great work others that do under the hood. So thank you also for making products easier to use and more fun and more intuitive. Love that. Love that. Grieb, where can people learn more about you, Triple Blind, or the work that you're doing right now? Sure. You can go to tripleblind.com. You can learn. We have a lot of use cases there, very interesting videos as well that shows you our tool, etc. You can follow me on Twitter. Just Google Garib Garibi. I'm happy to connect and chat there. Awesome. Garib, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been a blast. Thank you very much for having me, George. I enjoyed it a lot. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.